You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Good morning. I invite you to squeeze in, kind of make your way. Got some more people. Once again, to sing with the church is always a beautiful sound, and I hope we, we don't take for granted that be able to come here, especially a morning like this. Some very familiar faces. Welcome to the Oaks for the first time. And just uh, I know the faith family here welcomes you. Kind of passing through, we understand. That's pretty odd. That's pretty, that happens frequently here. And we hope that your heart is just nourished this morning by the Word. We'll have a chance to respond to the Word of God in just a moment through observing the Lord's Supper. The greatest, one of the greatest pictures of the Gospel. But, Till then, we're going to dive into 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. For those of you who have been on with this journey with us, we've been working through 1 John, and we'll continue. We'll tap into 1, 2, and 3 John by the end of the year. So as we look into this third part, uh, I, w- I want to kind of look at it, this how John used his letters as kind of a love test is what we're going to look. This is this morning. It's going to be familiar. It's going to sound like uh, did Joe preach on that a couple weeks ago and prior to because we're revisiting this topic for the third time as a church in the book of First John. And it's important to understand that because this love test, just the sheer volume and the amount that is it is mentioned in First John carries this weight. And we should take it very serious and let it speak to us the importance of loving one another and loving us, loving together as believers. And not just us as believers, but loving others and let it be a very true and very clear gospel transformation in our lives. We saw it in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. We saw it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. And now we're in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7. So let's pick up there this morning in the Word of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And we're going to read through verse 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loved has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us us. Verse 7, once again, we see that term beloved that we learned about last week. The term of endearment, affection. John was known for being very loving and, and people, scholars have learned that he was actually a very uh, knowledgeable. He was known for his understanding of this love that comes from God the Father. After all, he was the disciple who walked and leaned and he was beloved himself. Can't ignore that loving word because we have the ability to love one another just as God has loved John and just as God has loved you and I. 
Because the first thought I want to bring the truth this morning is that the origin of our love is from God. The origin of our love, the foundation of our love is from God. The kind of love that reaches into, as we just sang, the orphan's life and calls them child. He's reached into our lives and has called us child. He has predestined us into this family through the work of adoption. Ephesians chapter three, 1, 3 through 10 fairly clearly states that before the foundations of the world, He loved us. When you have a moment, take note. Go back and read through that. Meditate on that. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 10 in Ephesians. As He has loved us, loving each other is a mark of this loving God to us. He says, Beloved, in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. We see here that the love spoken in 1 John 4, 7 is just proof of our regeneration. It is proof of the Spirit's work in our life as Christians. That is very important for us to understand, because if we remember, the love that we mentioned in here is not simply just an, just an act. It is an act also, but it's the love is written as an extension of our confession in Jesus Christ being human. We learned that last week in verse 2. It says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So our confession is going to spur on this love that was originated from God the Father. And as we look at this agape love, this is a compassion for one another, this sacrificial love. It's a willing delight towards one another, not just ourselves, but also those. But this type of love, this agape love, this love, is sacrificial love, sets us apart from this worldly kind of love, this common grace. Everybody, God has given grace to both non-believer and believer to experience the act of love. But the love that we have comes from God. And as it comes through us, it cannot exist without the work of Christ. That, therefore, we've got to look at this, what is regeneration, this rebirth, this born again. Why is it so important for us to have a clear understanding? Because, remember last week, test everything. And if we have a clear understanding of how regeneration works and born again, we are able to look into the life of a person and test to see whether they are faithful and a true believer, follower of Christ, or not. We're able to look into the life of a person and tell whether they follow God and they are a son of God or they are a son of the devil. We've got to look into people's lives these days. We know all too well that the pews are filled with people with unregenerate hearts. Stuff they have brought on through tradition. They have received things. But they have not had a clear, deep gospel transformation by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's a radical change. The Word is preached. The Spirit of Christ reveals. And God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit does its work in a person's life. We here at the Oaks, we believe that it's a new birth. And it's work by God's grace whereby believers become new creatures new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's an inward change of the heart. 
parents, you're going you're gonna to look for these, this fruit in your children's lives. This is why it's so important to have a clear understanding of watching the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin. And as that sinner responds in repentance towards God in faith, and confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, repentance and faith, they are inseparable to God's grace. It is the work of God. Simply stated, we look into someone's life, we look into our own life, we have to look and see two things in a true believer. That is desire. They have a desire to seek and understand the Word of God and to be continue to be grown in this Word sanctification, to be grown into the likeness of Christ, to recognize their position and understand what God is doing, why He's alive and why He's working through the Word of God, by the Spirit of Christ, through our situations. He is working in us. We have a desire. Do you have a desire this morning to see God alive in your life all the time, working and working and working? The second thing we see is where we're at today is love. This mark of love, a true result of that seeking and that understanding is going to be love. This righteous love, this divine love that only comes from God the Father. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit enabling us to love each other beyond the way our flesh desires, our selfishness. To love each other the way Christ loves us. Church, this is so important as we look at verse 8. It says, if you do not love, you do not know God. Because God is love. First part is very clear. If you do not love, you do not know God. Okay. Lacking in love, lacking in our love for one another, reveals an unchanged heart at the core. It does. Remember that radical change. Are we going to go wayward in our loving? Yes, we will. Will we be distracted by the noise? Yes, we will. But remember the desire to want to return back to our first love. Return back to that first time, that day of what I call a salvation, where God called you His own and says, you're a sinner, and here, I am going to give you life. That is a beautiful day. We need to recall on that day constantly as it works in us. But then that last part in verse 8, it says, the God we serve is love. Is Two-letter word, to be. He is love. Before you and I existed, before mankind existed, there was an internal love resonated between the Trinity. Think about it. It already existed. In John 17, is in the high priestly prayer, Jesus was calling out in the last chapter, of that, that last paragraph of that chapter, He says clearly, Father, I desire that they also, who You have given Me, talking about the disciples in the church, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This love already was established and existed before you and I took our first breath. Before our mothers welcomed us into this room. Think about it. Then God looked at us as adoptive sons and daughters and He merely invited you and I to partake in this grace. Church, come experience my love. 
come experience this love that was established before the foundation of the world. This is the love that Christ, God the Father, has lavished upon us and now is charging us and encouraging us to love one another. This is a pure and righteous love to one another made possible in our lives because of the change of a repentant heart. And our understanding of this kind of love will send us out. Because I believe that everyone that God saves, He is sending. We go with this message of love. We go with this understanding. We have a new heart. A new way of working in us. Let us bring it home right now. Are we walking every day in this type of love? Are we embracing this type of love on all fronts? From the nations to our neighbors. It should be a genuine love. One that we experience from the goodness of God that overflows in us. A divine love. It's supernatural. It sets us apart. Why does it set us apart? Because look at verses 9 and 10. In this love, God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Why is this love set apart? Because this divine love, the second truth that I'll give to you, is displayed by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. What separates us is that our Savior manifested His self among us, Jesus Christ. Remember last week you learned that the early church was being taught falsely about Jesus just appeared, just appeared to be human? But I believe John here is countering that teaching once again, saying that Jesus Christ manifested among us. He was human. Manifest, meaning clear. It was apparent. It was visible. And Jesus lived amongst the people. He led the disciples. John reclined with Jesus. We have to believe this. And as we learn more about it, it will move us. God is saving and He is sending us. He is working in us. But it says, in this, the verse 9, in this, the love of God. In what? It's found later in that verse that God sent His only Son into the world. This demonstrates why God is love. It's the perfect picture. It's one thing to speak about love, but it is another for you and I to experience someone's love and affection for us. Isn't it good to know that our Heavenly Father is in the business of doing and not just talking? That is comfort. This verse reveals to us that He is an acting God. He's a doing God. He's a serving God. That this is a God who sent His Son that you and I might live. But He also sent His Son that He will die. Any parent in this room. This is a part of the nature of God that we get to really just worship in awe. Can you imagine? Choosing to send your son, your child, 
to atone the sins of this world. We can't wrap our mind around it. But that should bring us to the state of awe. And we should very, this morning, feel that gravity. Feel that gravity of this truth. God, here is my son. Church, you will crucify him. Your sin will put him on the cross. But guess what? I loved you before the foundation of the world. As I said on that this week, just think about it. And that line of thought will move us into verse 10. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at that, He says. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Let's ask a question. Who loved who first? God loved you and I first. God, at doing God and acting God, took initiative to love you and I. That should create us in us a different posture. It should move us in a different way. It should create in us a different song. He proves His work in our lives through His Word and power by the Spirit. Why did they need such an offering. Understanding that word propitiation, it's used three times in the New Testament, but it means to turn away, to turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering. The wrath of God exists. The sin brings on this divine wrath. Therefore, you and I need a sacrifice worthy enough to satisfy and protect us from this wrath. So God, choosing an offering to atone the sins of the world, the only one, the only choice that He found worthy was the thing He most valued. His Son. Jesus. Emmanuel. God is with us. Jesus, light of the world, prince of peace. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the word of life, deliverer. He is comforter, sustainer. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He's the high priest. He's the true vine. He is Messiah. He is Jesus. He is the spotless lamb of God. He is the ultimate offering. He is the atoning sacrifice. He is I am. In church, this should work in you. A humility. I hope its spirit is moving in you. And at times, it should bring you to your knees. It should carry you into a state of awe. It should place in you this reflection, this this posture that doesn't care about what anyone else is thinking because you are in awe of the work of God. And understanding this and our part in God's sovereign work will give us this peace. It will give us this love and this love will transcend us. It moves us in a different light. It moves us in a different way in this dark and fallen world. We have the Spirit who works in us and it will help us remind us daily that this work is in our lives and is atoning us. It has made us whole again in the eyes of Christ before a holy God. And we must remember that you and I experience this love because of that work in Jesus Christ. Well, let's turn the coin for a moment.
Turn the coin with me real quick. Real quick. Jesus knew why He was coming to this earth. He understood the part He would play, the pain He would take on, the suffering, the physical, the mental, the spiritual pain that lied before Him. But what does Jesus' willingness to surrender to His Father tell us? And I am convinced that the most secure place you and I can be is surrendered in our obedience to Jesus Christ, to the will of the Father. That is the most secure place you can be. Obedience in Christ and in His Word should outdo any comfort and control that we have. Stay there. Reside there. Find peace there. Jesus didn't pursue, pursue security and comfort. He wanted to live out God's will for His life. Do you desire the same thing this morning, church? To forego all of the resources in this world, the momentary comforts to surrender like Jesus demonstrates to us, surrender our lives and moving towards the will of God. We have this revealed will that I believe we get into in verse 11, but we also have this independent will that God is using each and one of us and He is moving us and we need to surrender ourselves in obedience to this. Each and every one of us is going to look different. Our stories are different parts of this narrative, this grand story of the Gospel. But as we understand in verse 11, John gives a charge to the church. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. That third truth this morning is God's love is perfected in us. Yes, His church. Follow me here. We are the chosen vehicle by which God will use to love the world. To love the world. The broken church. But a redeemed church. It's okay to smile. It's okay to be broken. Let God work in that. But also know that we're redeemed and we're victorious. But His love is perfected in us. And we must recognize the kind of love that God has shown to us. A sacrificial love. God's love sets the standard. And as it sets the standard, when we are encompassed by darkness, God sends light. He goes before us. When we are striving lifeless, God has given us life. When we are wrapped in wickedness, when we were in sin, God sent His Son. And then we all have found ourselves hopeless. Maybe in despair. But that's when we have to remember that God sent His love. He loves you, church. Dearly. God sent His Son, died that you and I might live. Now you and I live because of the work of Christ. And now we display, like Christ did to us, the love of God to others. And as we do this, His love is perfected out in us. No one has seen God according to verse 12. No one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us. Therefore, the love of God has to be made perfect in us by loving others. Does that make sense? As we love them, people see the love of God. 
And it's unfortunate that within the four walls of church buildings today, that at many times more than less, we can't recognize this issue. So I want to stand before you as one of the pastors here at the Oaks that this is something we fight for. This is something that we cultivate and nurture. It's something that we take serious as an elder or pastor team to protect. That the people within the fold will experience the love of Christ by the Spirit of Christ, by the Word being preached, but also by the community of the church and the love of the church. All of these things adding up will move us in the right direction to loving others. And when we love each other, this is proof that God abides in us. John Stott says very clearly, mutual Christian love is the evidence that the unseen God, who was once revealed in His Son, is now revealed in His people. This morning you're either reminded of this great truth, you're challenged because you've been out of community, a little nomadic, moving. God has you in a season of life, possibly of resting. But we have this place, this responsibility to love the church beyond these four walls. We also have that responsibility to love others. And as it matures in us, we begin to, to exercise this sacrificial love this love that will go beyond our natural thinking, our flesh, our, 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 our selfishness. It will forego those rights and it will move in this love of mature and God will be the source of this maturity. The Spirit of God will maintain it. The Word and the Spirit of God will bring it to the fullness of perfection. Because that's what we hear in verse 12. And our God is a God who fulfills His Word. He is moving and He is going to make it happen. You have a decision this morning to calibrate, to surrender, to look at the love. Just start with breathing. You're breathing this morning. That's God's grace. Think about His love. Because after all, it came from God in the beginning. The foundation of God's love, the origin of love is from God. This divine love is made possible in our lives and displayed in our lives because of the work of Jesus Christ. And lastly, God's love continues to work in us and through us and is perfected in us so that others will experience a divine love, a love that is separate from a worldly love. So let's take a moment to examine our lives. Is this the type of love that you see threading in your life every day? Is it the type of love that you see in your marriage? Is it the type of love your kids experience? Do they see the gospel not an enabling love, not a love that allows, and, but a love that disciplines as much as we don't like that. A love that cares. 
A love from a parent to a child that sacrifices their greatest love, their son. You just can't help but look to God the Father and see His act towards us. A love that led a perfect man, Son of God, to the cross. This is the love we're talking about. But most importantly, I feel the Spirit has put on my heart to encourage you, church, to wake up every day and remember this love. He loves you. He's proven it and He does every day. So now, let's go love others. Can it be that simple? I believe it can be. So what we're going to do now is turn to a wonderful display of love. We're going to take examine our lives for a moment, then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. For those of you who are visiting with us, we do this every two weeks. It's a regular practice. This observance is not for those who have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I hope this morning you learned of a love, a redeeming love. This is not for the believer, Christian, who has not examined their heart. The Lord's Supper, communion, is for the saints who are right before God. And as we partake in remembering the blood and remembering His body, this is the good news. That we remember that Jesus Christ is not simply appearing. The God in flesh sent Son to atone the sins of this world. So how we do this is different kind of each week. But this morning we're going to invite the band to come on back up. And during this first song, after you examine your heart, come as a family, kneel at the altar, kneel at your seats. However that looks, that's up to you. But it's very important that if you're a saint and Christian believer, that you examine your life, go before God and make it right. But if not, it's okay to stay seated. you're a non-believer here and you have questions about the gospel, if you have questions about the saving love and work of Christ, I'm available. Jason's available. The pastors here are available. 